turn in your Bibles, if you would, with me to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 within God's Word. Uh, please take out the sermon study guide. Follow along with me. If you're new with us, if you're new with us, I usually preach and teach with a sermon study guide. It allows you to have the structure of my notes and to see uh, the outline and retain the truths of God's Word and take them home with you. I've got some people that keep a three-ring binder of all these sermon study guides because they want to grow in God so much. Oh, I appreciate that. A farmer! I want to tell you about a farmer. A farmer was milking his cow. How many have ever milked a cow before? I mean, that's something I've never done. Okay. He was milking his cow, and he was milking the cow, the milk, into a big pail of milk. And he was bothered as he was working away there milking the cow. He was bothered by this big bumblebee that kept buzzing around his head. Bzzz, around his head. And all of a sudden, to his amazement, he saw that big, bad bumblebee bzzz, right into the ear of the cow. Crawl right inside. And that cow was moving all over, but the farmer kept milking and maintaining control. And then, to his sheer astonishment and to his amazement, squirt! Out comes the bumblebee out of the cow, squirted into the milk pail. And the farmer thought to himself, it just goes to prove in one ear and out the udder. <laughs> the other joke I was going to tell was a whole lot worse than that one, so I chose that one. This time of the year. How about you? I love this time of the year in God's country, Michigan. Harvest season. And I want to talk to you about harvest season this morning. As you drive around the state, north of here especially, you see the farmers beginning to bring in the harvest. And it's a glorious thing with them bringing in the harvest. And it all starts, harvest season starts with springtime. As the farmer looks upon his field, he does not see a field that is full of bountiful crops. He sees what kind of a field? Empty. Barren. Zero. Sees nothing in that field. There's nothing that speaks of life. And yet... He's faced, he's confronted with need. He's confronted with the need to feed his family. Let alone, he's strategically positioned to feed our state, our nation, the world. He's a link in a food chain. He's confronted with financial need. Now he has a choice as he's confronted with all of this need. He has a choice. He can either sit back in his lazy boy and fold his arms and say, God, I'm just going to trust you to bring in that harvest. 
I'm just going to have faith. I'm going to have hope. I'm going to have mountain-moving belief that there's going to bring a harvest. How much harvest is he going to bring in with that kind of faith? How much? Zero. Very good. Because faith without works is what does that farmer, what does that farmer have to do with his need? What does that farmer have to do when he's confronted by need? That farmer when he's confronted by need, this farmer that is facing need, what must he do? He's got to plant seed. He's got to sow a seed as he's faced with his need. There's many that I'm speaking to here this morning. You are confronted with real need, like a Ken Baker, a Jerry Baker. You're confronted with need. It could be an employment need. It could be promotion need. It could be just paying the bills need that are mounting. You're confronted with need. And my admonition to you this morning, be a Holy Ghost spiritual, born-again, blood-washed, Bible-believing farmer and start sowing seed. We are faced with a mountain of need here at Lakeside Assembly of God. It began mounting years ago. Do you realize that we over and over again have had to use our nursery as an overflow for children's classes that are way too old for a nursery department and even for adult classes? Do you realize that uh, we are, are in a situation in our choir, our, our, our worship area, where they're stepping over one another? I, I, I mean, they walk through and line up every week in a narrow hallway on the other side of this wall that, oh, I'm, it, it is so skinny of a hallway. Uh, it provides great fellowship, I'll tell you that. You're going to get to know people in that hallway. It was never designed for, for what's happening in the growth of our worship and our praise ministries. Our drama ministries never had a rehearsal room, and yet we, we, we depend upon them year in and year out to do amazing, incredible outreaches as these altars are filled with people finding Jesus at Edge of Eternity, finding Jesus this year at Scrooge. Our young people have never had a place to call their own. They constantly have to set up, tear down, set up, tear down. They can't hang posters. They can't uh, have a permanent place that's their youth center. We have a vision for that, a dream for that. Our kids' church right now is in that humongous gym, and the sound is echoing everywhere. They're on a badly stained, smelly carpeting. That, that carpet should have been changed years ago. Poor lighting, poor video, uh, uh, poor, uh, the staging needs to be upgraded. It's not just a need for expansion. they got plenty of room. We're talking improvement. Solid Rock Cafe, I just came from that church service. They, in many ways, are a congregation almost to themselves, in a sense. Not that they're not unified with, with, with us as a total church, but they only utilize the chapel on Sunday. They need a carport especially as we come into inclement weather. We have people come all the time. They don't know where our main entrance is at. We're trying to reach teens and 20s and 30s, or the funeral director will empty out this church if we don't reach that age group. We need a more inviting, uh, hospitable uh, uh, entrance. Uh, we have a vision for a Connections Cafe out here. 
and a new main entrance for the glory of God. We have a vision for 15 brand new multi-purpose classrooms, 15 plus uh, uh, I could go on and on. Lakeside is facing a mountain of need. It'd be easy, like many pastors, for me to, if I had an ego that had to be stroked, to say, let's expand uh, our sanctuary. But that's not the priority need. Our priority need is discipleship, auxiliary areas that this sanctuary depends upon. And that's the direction that we have taken Facing a mountain of need, what do we need to do? We need to sow some seed. This morning I want to talk to you about seed faith living. If we're going to enjoy a harvest, a harvest with a brand new Lakeside Assembly of God, church facility, the phase four vision, we've got to start planting seed even in our hearts by faith this morning. Seed, faith, living. I want to share that word with you this morning. Fill in the blank with the first point this morning. Fill in the blank with the first point this morning. What do we find? Bring that up on the screen. Realize seed, faith, living is an eternal principle. I've had an amazing revelation. Maybe it's because I'm a city boy. I've had an amazing revelation. From Genesis to Revelation, the whole Word of God has a revelation on seed faith. I never have noticed it so prevalent before. I'm not making this up. This is brand new for your pastor this week as I've been studying. Think about it. All of plant life is based on the seed faith principle. All of animal life, reproduction, reproducing, based on the seed faith principle. All of humanity, all of mankind, based on the seed faith principle. The church is based on the seed faith principle. We come from the seed of Abraham, a seed of faith. The Bible declares that. Turn to the slide in Galatians chapter 6. The slide in Galatians chapter 6. Keep moving. It's Galatians chapter 6. You've got to keep up with the pastor. Now that's Genesis. Galatians. Tell somebody the difference between Genesis and Galatians up there. There we go. Help me out. Work with me. Well, now they quit on me. I'm sorry. I love you up there. <laughs> Galatians. Galatians. <laughs> chapter 6. Thank God I got my sermon notes. Galatians. <laughs> chapter 3. If ye be Christ, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to to the promise. The seed faith revelation is throughout the Bible. It's throughout all of life. In fact, we even find it in the last book of the Bible describing your old body and your new body. I'm sorry you're late now. I, I already read the verse. Amen. Amen. Uh, you realize that the people I'm looking at right now are not what I'm going to see in heaven? This thing that you're wearing this morning, this body, the Bible calls it a seed. Now, how do you compare a seed, that dirty, brown, ugly, they come in all shapes and sizes, but not one of them that I know of are, are, are beautiful when you compare it to a flower. And yet the Bible says that's what you are. Your body is a is a seed. 
that one day will be planted in the ground, barring the rapture of the church. And what will come forth in the resurrection will be so radically different from this seed, this shell, that it will be amazing, beautiful. That which was sown in dishonor will be raised in honor. That which was sowed in weakness, Paul says, will be raised in resurrection power. It's like one minister at a funeral said as he looked at the casket, he said, all we have here is the shell. The nut is gone. (laughs) But I'm talking about the seed faith principle. The seed faith principle is found throughout the Bible. It deals with plant life, animal life, human life, church life, all of eternity, your resurrection body. And seed faith living also deals with your finances. This is where it gets quiet because there are those sitting out in the pew saying, I wish the preacher would preach the gospel and not talk about money. Honey, I can't help but preach about money because it's much of the gospel. Jesus spent more time talking about money and the wise management thereof than he did about heaven and hell and prayer combined. It's impossible. It's impossible to be faithful to the preaching of the gospel and not talk about money. God's extremely concerned about Your finances, your money, your indebtedness, your future financially because God wants to prosper you. God wants to bless you. God in the process wants to meet the need of His church. Hear me in this. You show me, I dare you. I dare you. You show me one verse of Scripture that says God wants you poor. God wants you impoverished. God wants you destitute. I can show you a multiplicity of teachings and scriptures and verses on seed faith living where God wants to bring abundance in your life. God wants to bring harvest into your life. Hallelujah! Well, let's, let's look at it this morning. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, your main text, verse 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap what? You see the sowing and reaping principle. You see the seed faith living. God is able to bless you abundantly. Say that word abundantly. Abundant. Say it like a preacher. Abundant. So that in all things at all times... Having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Oh, mark it down. Just as every natural harvest begins with seed, in the same way God's harvest blessings begin with seed. But remember whose seed it is. Whose seed is it? It's His seed. It's His seed. Here's a newsflash for you. Scientists, with all of their technological prowess, with all of their ability, I guess we're just around the corner, you automotive people, uh, of our cars. I'm sorry, kids. I know you can't wait to drive, but you just watch. By the time you get your license, cars will be driving themselves. 
And all the parents say, hallelujah. With all of the scientific breakthroughs and know-how we have, there's not one scientist that can create an itty-bitty seed in the laboratory. Engineers marvel at the specifications that are crammed into one seed. The ability for self-reproduction. How many cars reproduce themselves? The ability for self-repair. How many cars repair themselves? Wouldn't that be awesome? God has jammed it all into one seed. Every time you pick up an acorn, every time you pick up an acorn, it is God's dream of a forest. In one acorn is all the potential crammed into that acorn of an entire oak forest. Think of it. God has put that potential into the seed. Later on when we talk about mountain moving, I want you to remember that. Now, whose seed is in your pocket right now? Whose seed is this? I've, I've had people get mad at me after preaching about giving and tithing. I've had people look me in the eye and say, Preacher, listen, I'm going to work tomorrow morning, and I've earned it. I work hard for it. I sweat for it. That's my money to do with as I want to do with it. And I've merely smiled and said, Your argument's not with me. I'm just the messenger. Your argument's with God. All that we have, all that we are, comes from Him. He is the sovereign, divine owner of all that I have. Like Job, I say, naked I came into the world, and uh, as I came in with nothing, I'm leaving with nothing. All of my finances, all of my possessions, all of my property, He owns it. I own nothing. Haggai chapter 2 verse 8 says, God says to the world, the silver is mine and the gold is mine. Saith the Lord of hosts, we own nothing. We own nothing. At any moment, you've heard me say it before, at any moment God could unplug your health. You could lose your ability, your reasoning. You could have a stroke and not be able to talk. Walk. Think rationally. God owns it all. We came from Him and one day we will return for, to Him. My point, the seed, the seed, the seed that He has put into your hands, it is not yours. It is His. Always remember that. That will relieve you, I'll tell you, of so much stress. So much worry. Many of you this morning are worrying about the bills. You're worrying about enough for retirement. You're worried about your health. You're worried about the future. Hey, you worry about going to work and planting seed. Let him worry about the harvest. It's in his hands anyway, amen? You are not called to be an owner. He is owner. You are called to be what? A steward. What is a steward? A manager of all that God has given. One day he'll ask for a, a final audit on how well you manage what he channeled through your life. The seed that he placed within your hands. 
How would you like it? How would you like it? All of a sudden, you get a postcard from Hawaii. And you look at the postcard and you say, Hey, honey, look, we got a postcard from our bank manager. Let's see what he says. Oh, thank you, the postcard says, for your last deposit at the bank. Would you make another deposit? We'd like to stay another week in Hawaii. Whoa, wait a minute. You'd be at the bank the next morning pounding on the door. I put my money on deposit at the bank, not for you to own it, but for you to manage it. That's what God has done in your life. The seed is not for selfishness. It's not for me, myself, and I. The seed is for God. The seed is for God. Always recognize that. Uh, mark it down. Recognize that God desires to, to bring you abundant harvest blessing. Again, you can't find one verse in the Bible that says that God wants you poor, that God wants you struggling, that God wants you destitute, your needs not being made. No, we find the reverse. I'll move quickly. Re recognize this, Deuteronomy 8.18, remember the Lord, your God, it's He who gives you the power to get well. Psalms 1, blessed is the one whose delight is in the law of the Lord. Whatever they do prospers, Proverbs 8.21, that I may cause those who love me to inherit wealth. Proverbs 11.25, a generous man will prosper. Matthew 6.33, all these things. Things will be given to you as well. Study all of chapter 6. It's all about practical, natural need there. Finances. 3 John 2. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. I've said it before and I'll say it again. Why does God want to prosper you? Why does God want to abundantly bless His people? Here's the reason. So that you'll share the harvest. I said, so that you'll share the harvest. Pastors can't pastor. Preachers can't preach. Churches cannot be built. Schools around the world cannot be established for the training of foreign missionaries, evangelists, and pastors. Glory to God. Uh, schools uh, for our children. Christian schools cannot be built. Uh, phase four visions cannot be fulfilled if God's people were not prospered. If God was not prospering individuals, if God was not prospering businesses in the church, if God was not prospering Lakeside Assembly of God as He is right now, we could not go forward week by week preaching and proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. Seeing your children and, and my children, your grandchildren, my grandchildren, mentored and discipled for the glory of God. If you will discover God's number one priority, which is winning souls, and invest in where God's heart is at, winning souls. God will give you an abundance you can't even contain. This is the word of the Lord. Oh, write it down with me. To enjoy harvest blessings, start planting God's seed that He's placed in your life. Here's the divine principle. You cannot, you cannot, you cannot change this principle. It's a divine principle in the spiritual world, just like the law of gravity is a principle in the natural world. Galatians 6, verse 7, whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. Now we've preached that 
as far as judgment, like on, on America. America will reap what she sows. We need to pray for America. Right now, this morning, they're holding a satanic mass in Oklahoma City. Many of you have seen that on the news. And Christians are fighting against that. We need to pray for America. As never, Every church is a bulwark. <laughs> it's a fortress. Uh, uh, it is an active point of light to push back the darkness in our nation for the glory of God. That's why we need to see a strengthening of the church. But Galatians chapter 6 doesn't deal with judgment. It deals with money. When you read, a man will... Uh, reap what he sows. That deals with finances in that chapter. That's the context that we find it in. If you want to reap good things in your life, sow good things. Some of you are having marital problems right now when I'm speaking to your heart. And you can't understand why your wife doesn't love you like you should. She should. You can't understand why your husband doesn't love you, you like he should. Respect you. Stop focusing on your need. Start focusing on your seed. Stop being need-oriented and begin being seed-oriented. If you want happiness in marriage, plant happiness into your spouse. Sow good things. Sow love. Sow encouragement. Sow building them up and edifying them in the name of the Lord. Do good things for them. Do loving things for them. No, it doesn't matter if they do it in return. Sow the seed of unconditional love. Thank you for your enthusiasm. That's okay. That's okay. You need friends? You need friends? Be friendly. You want people to smile at you and treat you nicely? Give smiles. Treat people nicely, whether they do it to you in return. Sow some seed. Reap a harvest. It's God's divine principle. Are you in financial disarray? Are you in need in your employment? Are, are you in promotion need? Start planting good seed into God's work and watch what God will do. My Bible, your Bible says, our God is able to do that which is exceedingly and abundantly more than we can imagine, ask, or think. Amen. Proverbs 11.25, a generous man will prosper. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. Start sowing seeds so God can bring you a harvest. Number five, to enjoy abundance, your seed must be planted in good ground. In good ground. It's not enough just to sow your seed. When you're using God's seed, again, it's not mine, it's not yours, it's His. Plant it in good soil. Some of you have been planting in the wrong soil, and it's going to burn up. Toys, let me talk to the big boys here. What's the difference between men and boys? The price of their toys, guys. God is not against toys. Okay? You can say that to your wife with me. God is not against toys. But if toys, if toys, snowmobiles, jet skis, boats, guns, 
yada, yada, yada. If they take the place that's reserved for God, you're in error. You're planting in wrong soil. The priority planting needs to be in good soil. Jesus said this about planting in good soil. Still other seed fell on what? Good soil. Good ground. What happens when you start investing in good soil? Where it produced a crop. Notice the multiplication principle. If you'll start planting your seed in good soil, God will activate the multiplication principle principle in your life. It's a multiplication principle of blessing. Donald Trump cannot, cannot, cannot come close to this whatsoever. Who's, who's, the, who's that, uh, that old guy, that number one stock trader? Buffett? Yeah, there you He can't come close to this. A hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. The important thing is where is good soil, good ground, for you to plant your seed? I want to introduce another testimony here this morning. Crystal and Dan, would you join me up here, please? Come on down here. Give them a hand. I was, I was first introduced to this dear couple. They have five Precious, precious children, ranging from preschool to teen years. I was first introduced to this dear family at one of our big gives, our outreaches. Our May big give where we give out furniture. We, we outfit every room of a house where somebody's graduating from a homeless shelter to their first place of residence. I don't remember the exact situation, but I know that these guys have been wiped out and they had practically nothing. And I was able to be your hand of extension and bring over some workers. And I, and I said, you see that couple over there? I want you to give them anything that they want. In this whole gymnasium, anything as much as they want. And you blessed this home. This family has not stopped coming to this. They don't miss a service, a class, anything here at Lakeside. I am so proud of them. So proud of them. What God has done, precious Jesus. And then Crystal, she came to me last week and shared the most marvelous testimony. you got to hear because it's a credit to you. Crystal, share with Good morning. We are talking about planting seeds. We have five children, all actively involved in Lakeside Ministries here, from Fine Arts Ministries to uh, JBQ Ministry to Little Rainbows Ministry that Becky does, and she does it so well. My son, Alex, I shared in the first two sermons about how God has just done incredible things in his life. But if there is ever a time that our schools need Jesus, it is now. JBQ, I started this thing in my house. We've both started this thing where if our kids want to do something, they have to earn it, like play video games or etc. So... We started making our children study the JBQ questions. 
in order to play the video games. That's junior Bible quiz. Yes. JBQ is junior Bible quiz. Um, so we studied one morning this, this past Wednesday before Alex went to school. And it was so embedded in his spirit when he went to school that when he came home, he said, Mom, my teacher asked if anybody had anything to say. And I raised my hand and I started praying for wisdom and knowledge and protection over my class, his second grade class. That would not be possible. His dream is to be a pastor. His dream is to minister to the children in his class because he has a heart for people and he wants to be just like Pastor Phil. He will listen to his sermons on his little headphones, on his tablet, and he will, he will, he will listen to it and he will study the way that he preaches. And that would not be possible if you had not invested your time and your financial um, uh, need for this ministry. Thank you so much for that. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. A trophy of Lakeside Assembly of God. Hallelujah. Maybe you didn't hear, but uh, the same little boy, Alex, who is a proud member of this church, greets me every Sunday morning. At two months of age, he had an eye brain disease, and he was not supposed to ever see or be able to reason in his mind. We laid hands on him, prayed over him, and uh, he has had an amazing miracle to the point. One morning he was in the bathtub and he said, Mommy, I see you for the first time. I can see. Hallelujah. 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 Praise the Lord. You ask me, you ask me, Pastor, where can I find good soil? Where can I find good ground to plant my seed? Right here at Lakeside Assembly of God. Hallelujah. You're touching the present. You're touching the future. You're building God's church. You're reaching around the world to 200 plus ministries for the glory of God as you plant seed here at Lakeside Assembly of God. Good soil. Well, pastor, how do I go about plant? What do you mean by planting seed? Oh, let's move to my next point. Fill in the blank. Move to the next point. I don't have my notes in front of me, so you got to... No, 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 no. All the way back. Okay. I need to go to my notes. Point five. Fill in the blank to enjoy abundance. Your seed must be planted in good ground. Do you see that there? Amen. Well, how do I plant it, Pastor? Malachi chapter 3, verse 8. Still other seed. No, 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 no. Malachi chapter 3, verse 8. Will a man rob God? Yet you've robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? The people of God were robbing God back then. In tithes and offerings. 
You're cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food. Where? Where? In my house. How do you plant good seed in good ground? Through God's system of seed planting called tithes and offerings. What's the difference between tithes and offerings? We pay our tithes. Would you say that with me? We pay our tithes. The tithe is not ours. It is God's. It was never yours in the first place. It's God's. And every week He tests us, will we give the tithe back to Him? This principle is found throughout the Bible. It begins in the Garden of Eden where God says there's one tree you cannot eat of. It's mine. It's found throughout the Bible. The tithe is what? How much is the tithe? No, it's not 10%. It is the first tenth. That's an important understanding and distinction. It's the first tenth of your... I've ministered to some people that pay all their bills first, and then what's ever left over, if something's left over, then they give it to the Lord as the Lord's tithe. That's not the Lord's tithe. The Lord's tithe is the first 10% on your gross or your net income. Gross. Your gross income. I always ask, who's greater? I'll ask the question here this morning. Who's greater, God or the government? Do you really believe that? If faith is without works, then do it. Tithe on your gross. Let the first tithe do it on a weekly basis. Give it unto the Lord for His honor, His glory. Sow good seed into good soil. What are offerings? We give our offerings above our tithes. Offerings are for missions, for construction of God's house, the improvement of God's house. The Bible reports this over and over throughout the Word of God. Offerings come above the tithes. It's a step of faith and obedience unto the Lord. It's sacrifice. He is extremely pleased. He pours out divine favor on those who are faithful in tithes and offerings. You're sowing seed to reap a great harvest. If you want a harvest, a harvest of God's blessing in your finances, your health, your marriage, your family, your future, your peace, your contentment, all of life. God brings divine favor to those who faithfully plant seed through tithes and offerings in good soil. Now God says something in the next verse that you won't find anywhere else in the Bible. Look at the next verse, verse 11, or 10. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. Try me, prove me, test me. You'll be hard put to find that statement anywhere else in the Bible. Some of you, and I don't say this in a condemning way, I say this as a point of fact. A segment within our congregation is not tithing. You might be giving. You might put a dollar in the plate because you grew up putting a dollar in the plate with your family. And you thought that $5 in the plate was good. Now, if you're making $50 a week in income, then that is tithing. The Lord says, try me now in this. 
If you have never tithed before, starting next week's Sunday, the Lord challenges you to step out of the boat and start tithing, truly tithing. Try it. You'll like it. Start weekly tithe. Next Sunday, I'm going to give you a faith promise card, and there will be a slot on there where you can write, I'm going to start weekly tithing. I put the word weekly in there not to embarrass anybody. Because for all I know, you might have been tithing monthly, but uh, you'll, you'll, not, you'll write down, I'm tithing weekly now. 1 Corinthians 16 says, on a weekly basis, bring in the tithe, the Lord's tithe. And we're going to challenge you in there. Let's climb higher to conquer our mountain for the glory of God. If the tithing of this church came up 10%, just 10%, if the tithing of this church came up just 10%, we would not only service the future mortgage of our phase four, we would be able to do pre-mortgage payments and pay down the debt in no time at all for the glory of God. If tithing went up just 10% at this church, there would not be a problem in renovating and improving areas that are not a part of the phase four vision. I would call it the phase four part B. Like, we would love to renovate this uh, sanctuary. We'd love to do new things in this sanctuary for the glory of God. If the tithing went up 10%, we could do more when it comes to staffing. We could do more when it comes to ministry. We could do more throughout the church. It's amazing if the tithing just went up 10% for the glory of God. Try it. You'll like it. Let's climb higher. Let's climb higher. Maybe you're a tither, but you've never given faith promise offerings. Step out of the boat. Trust God. Plant your seed. Let's climb higher together. Amen. Watch what God will do. Maybe you're tithing. You're giving in missionary offerings. You're giving in vision fund offerings like my wife and I uh, presently do. Then join Becky and I on Sunday because there's a number of you that you're like Becky and I. You take care of the tithing, the missions, and the vision offerings. I challenge you to join us in stepping out, climb higher, and give a first fruits offering. What's a first fruits offering? It's a cash down payment on next week's Sunday. Yes. It, uh, now your faith promise offering will be spread over 12 months, but uh, a first fruits offering is... Today, I'm going to give a substantial amount because I believe in the dream of Lakeside Assembly of God, the dream of reaching and teaching and keeping people for the glory of God. What happens when you plant seed in such a faith step? Oh, God answers it in Malachi chapter 3, verse 11. See if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour out such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, say the Lord of hosts. Your pastor is stepping out in faith in what I just did. I've been told by others, Pastor, if you announce 
that on such and such a Sunday, you're going to do faith promise giving for, for missions or for a uh, uh, building fund. Uh, people won't show up. I'm believing that my Lakeside family is more mature in that. I'm believing you're going to be here next Sunday. I'm believing that it won't be a downer next Sunday. I'm believing that seven Sundays of purpose, it's going to be celebration and commitment Sunday for the glory of God. Are you with me in this? Will you show up next week Sunday? Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I'm believing for that. Because this is not about me. It's not about you. It's about the work of God. It's about investing in good soil. Good soil. Number six, real quickly, especially sow seed when you're facing need. When you're facing need, sow seed. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians that the people of Corinth were desperately poor. But guess what the poor people of the early church, the church of 1 Corinthians did? In the midst of their desperate need, they planted seed. 2 Corinthians chapter, chapter 9, listen to what we read. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, God, this is where Paul says, God is make it, able to make it up to you poor people by giving you everything you need. And more so, so that there will not be only room enough for your own needs. God wants to give you abundance, not just His church. He wants to give you abundance. But plenty left over joyfully to give others. That's where you plant it in good soil. For God who gives seed to the farmer to plant, and later on good crops to harvest and eat, will give you more and more seed to plant, and will make it grow so that you can give away more and more fruit from your harvest. Do you see the harvest principle here? God gives you more harvest to plant more seed. You plant more seed, you receive more harvest. You receive more seed in the harvest to plant more seed. It's a cyclical way of blessing you and blessing God's church. Yes, verse 11, God will give you much so that you can give away much. Are you in financial need right now? This is the best time to plant seed. Yes. John and Kim, where you at? Raise your hand so everybody can see where you at. John... Uh, and Kim are in my Wednesday night class. And, and John didn't even know I was teaching on Wednesday night. John shared how in 08 he lost his job. That like Ken, it, it was like the best job, you know, that he could ever imagine. Lost his job, left with nothing, just his wife's income. But he went to his wife and he said, Kim, we're going to keep tithing no matter what. We're going to keep planting seed because I know that I know that I know God's going to make a way where there seems to be no way. At the same token, he joined a men's ministry. I'm talking about a rehabilitation ministry where he went to serve, to give, to help. Again, planting seed. Planting seed in the midst of his need. And while he was there serving, while he was there ministering, he happened to be on the computer and whoop, up on the screen comes a job offer. It's the job he's working at right now. Way beyond, more beyond anything he could imagine, ask, or think. God came through with harvest as he planted seed. 
Am I saying it right there, John? Praise the Lord. God is faithful. Amen. Lastly, lastly, go to my last point. Since your harvest size is dependent upon the amount of seed you plant, you should plan on ever grading greater harvests. I am not content with the harvests that Becky and I have been receiving. We have been faithful year after year, tithing on our gross, faithful year after year, giving missionary offerings, faithful year after year, giving building fund, vision fund offerings. But I don't know about you, but I'm not the kind of guy that likes to coast. I don't like the caretaker mentality. I don't like a maintenance mentality. I always want to move and grow. You know, there's three kinds of people in the world. You know, people that make things happen, people that let things happen to them, and people don't have a clue what's happening. I want to make things happen. I, I, I got a $10,000 bill laying on my desk at home right now to pay for one semester of my girl's schooling down in Florida. I, I, hey, I, I got needs just like you guys. I'm with you. I need a harvest in the Christ home. So next week, Sunday, Becky and I are going are to step out of our box and do something we've never done before. We're not only going to remain faithful with tithing, missions giving, and vision fund giving, we're going to step out of the box, and we're not only going to make a, a, a brand new faith promise for phase four, next week, Sunday, we're going to give a substantial amount in a first fruits offering. We're going to put it in the plate the offering bag for the glory of God, a down payment on our harvest. I don't say that to brag whatsoever, but I've got to be an example. Throughout the Bible, God's leadership had to be an example before the people. And I want to be an example to you. I want you to be an example to my board and to my pastors and my directors and the elders. I need to be an example before you. I don't say that as a downer. I say it because it works. It works. We're living examples of it. It was, it was years ago. In fact, 1985. Where were you at in 1985? A lot of you are saying, I wasn't even born yet. 1985, I wasn't a senior pastor. I was a youth pastor. 1985, I was serving as the youth pastor of Brightmore Christian Church. I'd been a youth pastor at that church for almost five years, a youth pastor for three years before that at another church. And I sensed stirring. I, I said to my wife, I, I said, I don't think that we're going to be at Brightmore much longer. God is speaking. God is doing something. I believe God is moving us into the senior pastorate. I don't know where. I don't know when. I don't know how. And the Lord gave me a verse. It's our theme verse. Matthew 17.20 So Jesus said to them, Because of your unbelief, for surely I say to you, if you have faith as a what? Mustard seed. You will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move and nothing will be impossible to you. 
Most Christians read that scripture passage wrong. They say, if you just have teeny weeny little faith the size of a mustard seed. Jesus is not talking about size. He's talking about the nature of your faith. Jesus could have said, if you have faith the size of a grain of sand. But he didn't. He said, if you have seed faith, mustard seed faith. What's the difference between a mustard seed and a grain of sand? Try planting, try planting, try planting a grain of sand. And what will you get? That grain of sand, it's sterile. It's barren. It's dead. But if you've ever seen a mustard seed, that teeny, weeny little mustard seed, it is loaded with all kinds of God-given potential to become a shrub, a tree, that birds can even nest in. We find out. I said, honey, we've got to plant seed. But she said, we might not be here the whole rest of the year. Why should we make a faith promise to, to Brightmore's building fund? Why should we make a faith promise to Brightmore's missions fund? I, I, I said, because we need to plant seed. We need a harvest miracle in our ministry future. We did that in October of that year at Brightmore in November of 1985 out of the clear blue Reverend Robert Clark called me on the phone and said would you preach for a whole day for us at Lakeside Assembly of God in Utica I said where's Utica where's Shelby Township I'd never heard of those places before to me the east side was the other side of the world we came out here 29 years old, 29 years old. And I preached a whole day, never knowing that was gonna be the first day of the greatest miracle of our lives. You guys have changed us, you've blessed us. Lakeside's been the greatest, greatest gift I've ever received in my life. And it all began by sowing seed. We've got a dream before us. It's a God-ordained, God-given dream. Will you be on board with us? Will you join us on the walk of faith after this service? Would you join us Wednesday night for our vision banquet before the tickets sell out? Will you be here next week Sunday? And will we speak to our mountain and our faith promise giving and believe God to do that which is thought to be impossible. How about it? God gave us a seed called a Savior. His name's Jesus. God gave His very best. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Whosoever would believe in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Harvest have a need, sow a seed. Sow a seed to bring in your harvest. Father, in the name of Jesus, we ask even right now, O Lord, in your name and for your glory, that God, that we would begin to be seed-oriented instead of need-oriented. That, Lord, we would trust you 
Whether it's planting a smile, a good deed, a kindness, or a faith promise commitment over the next 12 months to move the mountain of need here at Lakeside, God help us to bring in a harvest. As heads are bowed and eyes are closed, I recognize that this has been a message to the Lakeside family. I recognize this has been a message on tithing and the giving of offerings and finances and planting good seed and good soil. If you're a guest here this morning, feel free to let it go in one ear and out the other. This has been for the Lakeside membership, the Lakeside family. But perhaps you're here this morning and you know not Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. Perhaps you're here this morning and you're not sure you're right with God. You're not sure that you have a home in heaven and you want to be sure. God stepped out of eternity and He planted a seed. A seed called Jesus who died upon the cross for you. He shed His blood for you. Because he wanted to bring in a harvest. You're that harvest. Today, right now, will you choose Jesus? I remind you, heaven is real. Hell is real. And eternity is just a breath away. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. I'm going to pray a prayer, a prayer of salvation. If you're not sure you're right with God and you want to be sure, if you're not sure you have a home in heaven and you want to be certain, if you would like to be included in this prayer, a prayer that will make you right with God, lift up your hand right now. Lift it up so that I can see it. How many are here this morning? And you would lift up your hand and say, Pastor, I want to be right with God. I want to be included in that prayer. Thank you. God bless you. I see that hand in the balcony. God bless you. How many more? How many more? Lift it up for Jesus. This has nothing to do with membership in this church. It has everything to do with joining Jesus. Precious Jesus. Precious Jesus. The Bible says, What does it profit a man if he gain the whole world but lose his soul? The Bible says that the Lord will rejoice in the saving of one soul more than He will the ninety and nine. This morning, let's pray with that one soul. Everybody, I pray that your heads are bowed, your eyes are closed. And for that one that raised their hand this morning, I want you to pray this prayer with me. Everyone, pray it out loud, but especially you that lifted up your hand. Pray it with me right now. Dear Jesus, I come to you right now in your name and for your glory. I confess I'm a sinner, but Jesus, you're my Savior. Save me from my sin. I believe you died for me. I believe you rose from the dead with resurrection life. I want that life, Jesus. A new life. A changed life. Thank you for hearing me. I thank you that I'm forgiven. I thank you that I have a home in heaven. 
and that I am saved. In the name of Jesus, I receive this as I believe it. Amen.